Well, today we continue this series of sermons on the book of Psalms. Uh, we'll be in this really uh, through the summer. So uh, you're going to be learning a lot about the Psalms. Psalms are a wonderful, uh, wonderful, it's a wonderful book. And I'm going to give you a little secret here for free today. If you just hold your Bible open, this one doesn't really open up, but just halfway, I have it upside down, um, it will come to the Psalms. It's about halfway in the Bible, so it's really interesting. I'm actually in Ecclesiastes, but it's close. So just drop it, and there it is. Um, I would, I, you know, when I preach, probably my greatest desire for my preaching is that it will inspire you to uh, seek God in a deeper way and develop your relationship with God and also to uh, really inspire you, I hope, to learn more about the Bible. I, I got a great email the other day from one of our online listeners uh, who lives out of town and she said, you know, I've been a Christian all my life and I've realized um, I don't know very much about the Bible. And so your preaching has inspired me. I'm glad I'm inspiring at least one person to learn more about the Bible because it is God's letter to us. It's his love letter. Um, so I encourage you to read these Psalms this summer. I'm thinking that maybe it would be helpful. You tell me if this would be helpful to just kind of put together a list of the kind of my favorite Psalms, maybe some of the ones that Scott really likes and uh, put that in the bulletin. Would that be helpful? Okay, and, and we'll... we'll Put them together, Psalms of Orientation, Disorientation, New Orientation. And then you can, um, they're prayers. So today we're going to talk about prayer. Great way to learn how to pray or to pray the Psalms when you don't know what to pray, which is often the case with all of us. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. So let's um, make it the summer of Psalms and uh, just really dig into the Psalms this week. Okay? You thought that was really funny. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to look at Psalm 62, which at least verses 1 through 8. So let me listen, or let me read it to you. Um, and I, I would encourage you just to listen today as I read this psalm. And this is a psalm of disorientation. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation, my fortress, I shall never be shaken. How long will you assail a person? Will you batter your victim, all of you, as you would a leaning wall or a tottering fence? Their only plan is to bring down a person of prominence. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For my hope is from him. You know, that, that's, some, that's characteristic of the, psalm, the psalms that uh, they'll, they'll state something uh, and then later on they'll repeat it, but in just slightly different um, uh, words and terms. And you'll see this in a lot of the psalms. And th this is an example of that. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For my hope is from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor, my mighty rock. 
My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Let's pray together. God, I I pray that you would take these words from this beautiful psalm and the meditations of my heart and that you would speak to us this morning. Just a clear word that would uh, help us in our walk with you and uh, to develop uh, intimacy with you, to know you in a deep way uh, like this psalmist does. So speak, may our ears, our minds, our hearts be open. In Christ's name, amen. I think it's safe to say that all of us here today would desire a close relationship with God. You know, that is how uh, most people in the Christian faith experience their Christian faith, as they have said in surveys. I read a lot of Gallup polls and Pew Research polls. And most people who are Christians say that they have a relationship with God, that they know God, that God is their companion, and they experience peace from this relationship. And God is a refuge for them, like is expressed in this psalm. Now, I I would think that most of us would love to have a relationship with God like is expressed in this psalm. Because as we read the psalms, one of the things that is so striking about the psalms, especially the psalms written by David, of which we think this is one, and many of the psalms are written by David, we think, you can tell he had a close relationship with God. He knew God intimately. And I think it's challenged us as we read these, uh, you know, these prayers of his. It's a challenge to us to, at least it is to me, to have a relationship like this. Um, in our text today, the psalmist says that God is his refuge. Boy, you can tell it's written by someone who knows God personally, who has been through enough of life's ups and downs, the storms of life, that he has discovered that his only refuge, his only true refuge, only true hope in salvation when all is taken away in life. You ever been there? I've been there. You realize the only salvation, the only true hope and refuge is God. And the theme of this psalm, as it is with so many of the psalms that we'll read, is trust in God. This is a clear and certain affirmation, isn't it? That in times of trouble and really all of life, the good times, the orientation times, the disorientation times, the new orientation times, the only true hope, rock, salvation, refuge is God. And we learn from verses 3 and 4 that the writer, who I said we believe is David, was experiencing a time of trouble. If you've ever studied David's life, you know, David was one of the towering figures of the Old Testament, along with Moses. Amazing uh, figure in the Old Testament. 
And he had a share of heartache. Oh, great heartache. He had a share of failures. Big failures. And he had his times of triumph and victory. His life was very full. And throughout his life, he lived in close intimacy with God. You know, after killing Goliath, you know, this is where we really see David come on to the stage in, in the Old Testament. He was the hero of Israel. But Saul, the king, who was a little crazy, was jealous of him and tried to kill him, pursued him, causing David to run to the wilderness. If you've ever been to the Holy Land, you know En Gedi. By the way, I'm going to have a, a trip to the Holy Land. I'm, I'm starting to plan it, so if you are thinking of a good trip, put that in the back of your mind. It's amazing to go to these places and you realize when you're walking around in Getty that this is where David hid from Saul. Um, and after Saul died, David became the king, but that wasn't the end of his pro problems. It was probably the beginning in some ways. Leading a nation is not easy. His own son, Absalom, which is in one of the most tragic stories of the Bible, led a rebellion and then died tragically. And of course, we all know about David's affair with Bathsheba and really uh, David murdering her husband by telling his troops to kill him. He, he had his ups and downs and ins and outs. And yet David was a, was a man who, who was seeking God's heart and knew God in a, in a deep way. And in our psalm today, it's apparent what David is struggling with. People are attacking him. Have you ever been attacked unfairly? It's not a fun place to be. So these people are attacking him, trying to bring him down. Saying nice things to his face. Have you ever met anybody like this? Fortunately, there are no people like this in churches. <laughs> saying nice things to his face, but behind his back, just saying terrible things trying to undermine his authority. And so he felt very vulnerable, and life was fragile. It was precarious. He likens himself to a leaning wall or a tottering fence. You know, I can relate to this image. It was three summers ago that we had this fence uh, which bordered our patio and our neighbors, and there was, an, there was just this monster ivy attacking it. For years, I mean, I ended up cutting the vines. They were this big, honestly. And they were just pushing our fence over. And it was like this tottering fence. I could just say, see, wow, it's not going to take much to knock this over. A little wind came up, and it knocked it over. It did. And thus began three years. You know, it's like, you've ever had a, a, a project at your house where something happens and one thing leads to another, to leads to another. So it's been three years of redoing our patio and the fence and the, the whole thing. And we're finally done. Yay. After this tottering fence. And David says, this is what he is like. Have you ever felt that way? Just a little fragile, like something small couldn't 
could knock you over. And yet in the midst of this battering and fragility, a feeling threatened and anxious and under attack, David finds refuge in God. This psalm, as I said earlier, expresses such intimacy with God. I want to know God in such a way. For many reasons, for the companionship, for the peace, for the joy, for the strength, for the love that comes from developing an intimate relationship with God, but also to face the storms of life. When all is taken away, there's not much left. I want to find my refuge in God. You know, last week I talked about a good friend of mine who was waiting for a cancer report. They found an undifferentiated cell in his colon, which means this cell came from somewhere else. This is a friend, you know, I, I think I've shared this, but I've had a group of of other pastors. We were actually roommates at UC Santa Barbara. All four of us became um, Presbyterian pastors. How's that for God's sense of humor? (laughs) Four pastors coming from an apartment in what is known as one square mile of sin. (laughs) Isla Vista. And we have met together to share our lives together, which I think is a, something that's just so important, that we have friends who are, who we, are spiritual friendships, people who, who can t- we can talk about our relationship with God with, and who challenge us, who comfort us, who stand with us through the tough times. Well, we've been meeting together for 30 or 40 years. You know, when we first started meeting, we were all in the Bay Area, and then now one is in Hawaii, one is in this other the guy I'm talking about is in Colorado, and the other one is in um, Pasadena. So we meet by Zoom, God's gift to humanity. <laughs> and it works. And so every month we get together for a couple hours, we share our lives, we pray for each other, we encourage each other. We walk with each other through the ups and downs. And let me tell you, 30, 40 years of, of friendship, you walk through a lot. And Thursday was a meeting like no other. You know, our friend shared the, probably the worst news he could get, which is he has pancreatic cancer. And I, I just thought, as he was sharing, I thought, this is just surreal. I can't believe my friend, this big athletic guy, great skier, track and field athlete, I mean, just this model of health has this cancer, which is just horrible. As he shared that, I thought, wow. I hope when I receive news like that or I'm facing my own death, which we all will face, by the way. I hope I, uh, the God I know here, I hope the relationship is so tight that I know God so much, that I'm so secure in God's love that I can trust him in death as much as in life. 
you know, it's kind of interesting. That the one thing that we're going to face, for sure, we don't usually prepare for. I'm praying. I'm getting to that age where I'm kind of thinking about this. You may be in this age, too. <laughs> I'm praying, God, help me to finish well. I pray that I will know you in such a way that I can take on, you know, our biggest enemy. Like my friend has. I could tell that, you know, God is his rock. God is his salvation. God is his hope. We can develop intimacy like that with God. And I think most of us want it. It's just getting beyond good intentions, right? We can get to know God in a deep way, um, lots of ways, through worship, through Bible study, through spiritual friendships, like I said, through service. But perhaps the most important is through prayer. Without prayer, I think, the spiritual life is impossible. It's just crucial. Yet for many of us, for all of us, I would guess, maybe some of us it comes easily, for, but for most of us it's not an easy thing to do, is it? Except in those times when we're just crying out to God. Then it comes easily. I have heard it said that, you know, when it comes to prayer, we're all amateurs. <laughs> And I would agree with that. I've always felt like an amateur in prayer. It doesn't come easily to me. But in this psalm, we see prayer. It is a prayer. And there's two elements of prayer that I want to take a look at, that I want to propose to you that you begin practicing, that I begin practicing. Two elements of prayer, two sides of prayer. The first is we see the discipline, and I call it a discipline because we have to force ourselves to do it sometimes, on waiting in God, on God in silence. Waiting on God in silence. Like I said before, verses 1 and 5 both affirm the importance of silence, of listening for God's voice. David writes, for God alone my soul, what, waits in silence. Be still. You know, our relationship with God, let me demystify it a little bit. It's like any other relationship. It's a two, two-way relationship. Can you imagine being in a relationship where your friend or the person that you were in a relationship with just talked all the time? Maybe you are in a relationship with like that. Maybe you're in a marriage like that. <laughs> It's not a relationship. A big part of prayer, in fact, I would say the biggest part of prayer, you know, we often think that prayer is just telling God what we need and talking and talking and talking. And honestly, I think the biggest part of prayer is just silence. It's listening for God's voice. It's the most important part. You know, especially in a culture like ours, 
where there's just this cacophony of voices screaming at us all the time, right? We need silence. We need to just be still and listen for the voice that, that gives us life. We need to unplug. It's an important part of the spiritual life. Remember when God spoke to Elijah, the prophet? Do you remember this story? After he had come away with his, from his encounter with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, this intense situation, he goes off by himself. And the word of God came to him, not in a storm or a wind or earthquake, but rather in a whisper, in a still small voice, it says. Actually, the best translation says, God spoke to Elijah in sheer silence, in quiet. You know me, I like to talk. I mean, I've made a living talking, right? So it's hard for me to be quiet. And it may be hard for you, but we need to just learn to be silent before God, to listen, to rest in God's presence. Sometimes it's good just to listen to God's voice through a passage of Scripture, to take just two or three verses that strike you and repeat them and listen. Just do that for a few minutes. Without silence, as Henry Nouwen says, the spiritual life is impossible. So that's the first part of prayer, is just listening. The second part is pouring out our hearts. Did you hear it in verse 8? David encourages the people, trust in God at all times. Oh, people, pour out your hearts before God. God is a refuge for us. It's exactly the opposite of silence. It's, it's the practice of just pouring out our hearts to God. This is the other side of prayer. Share with God what's going on in here. Um, sometimes what comes out of our hearts is joy. Sometimes it's gratitude. Sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's frustration. Sometimes we can't even say words. It's just groans and sighs. You know, there's a verse in the New Testament that says God understands these groans and sighs of what's going on. The important thing, as we will see in the Psalms, is that we are honest with God, that nothing, remember, nothing is out of bounds in our prayer life. God, can, God is a big God. <laughs> he can take it all. And somehow, in the midst of pouring out our hearts, we find refuge, we find rest. But be sure to know that learning how to do these things, it's a long process, a relationship with God that has this amount of trust and security and intimacy, you know, it doesn't develop overnight. It takes years of practicing silence and pouring out our hearts, of being quiet before God. It's a daily decision to make space for God in our lives, to listen for God's voice, to converse. It takes discipline. The Apostle Paul encouraged young Timothy to, to train yourself in godliness. And Paul often referred to the Christian life as an, uh, uh, like a, the life of an athlete of training 
I like this, this image because it gets to the heart of the discipline that it takes to develop a relationship with God like the one that we see in this psalm. It's one step at a time. You know, I have weight trained uh, ever since I was an athlete in high school. It's just become, it's part of my life. I've done it all my life. And to get stronger, which is the goal, right? Do you know you begin to lose muscle mass at age 30? 1% every year. <laughs> just telling you, you should be weight training. 1%. To get stronger, especially as we get older, you know you have to increase the tension on your muscle to increase the weight you are lifting. But the increments are usually very small. On the bench press, for example, you know you may be doing three sets of eight and you get finally to that point where you can finish that last rep of the last set, eight. And then what do you do? You add some weight. Sometimes all you can add you know, are maybe five pound weights on each end, maybe 10 pounds, maybe two and a half pound weights on each end. And then you, you just increase it. You get stronger. It gets harder as you get older, let me tell you. Little steps. Little increments. I was also a wrestler in high school. And you know what? When, you know how you really get good in wrestling, like most sports, is only after you've practiced it so much you no longer think about what you're doing. It just comes. It's natural. You've, you've practiced it so many times. I mean, in wrestling practice, all you do is wrestling is move, counter move, move, counter move, move, counter move. You're just reading. It takes a lot of brains to be a good wrestler. You feel that move, you counter it. How do you do that? It's just through practice, doing it over and over and over again until it just becomes natural. You don't think about it. It just becomes part of who you are. And this is like our relationship with God. We start small baby steps. We do it over and over and over. It's like worship. I say, you know, coming to worship every week isn't, you know, earth-shattering. Sometimes it is. But you know what you're doing? You're taking a brick every week and you're adding it to a foundation. And over weeks and months and years and decades, you build a foundation for your life. This is the practice of prayer. All the spiritual practices. You start small, baby steps. Here's what I encourage you to do, and I'm going to be very practical today. If you've never had a prayer life, start five minutes a day. Just spend time in silence. It's going to seem really weird. But just do it. Maybe read a couple verses. Pour out your heart to God. Do it every day, five minutes. Maybe use, you know, what's amazing today with all these apps that we have on our phones. It's incredible, the resources we have. Two resources I would recommend. Pray As You Go, it's an app, and Lectio 365. And I'll put this on the list of Psalms. Both very similar. You know, they, they start with some beautiful music, some thoughts, a passage of scripture, 
some other thoughts to think about, some, some time to think, and then they repeat it, and then they close it. 10 to 15 minutes. It's a great way to just begin this practice of knowing God in a deeper way. And after a time, we can say with David that even when the storms batter us, God is my rock, my hope, my salvation, my refuge, I will not be shaken and will have intimacy with God. As we come to communion today, let me encourage you to be silent before God, to take time to be silent, and also to pour out your heart if you need to pour out your heart to God in preparation for communion. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, deep rest, for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we come to communion, let's take our time. Again, if you would like prayer for something as you come forward, then just ask the pastor to pray for you for something, and we'd be happy to take time to pray for you uh, as you come forward. But at this time, let's go ahead and take this morning's offering. Uh, Again, if you have filled out one of those cards, um, fill it, drop it in the plate as it comes around, and let's give with joy and with generosity and listen to this beautiful anthem.